This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Every day, many of our nation's most vulnerable workers put on their armor to go to work. These essential workers are keeping our lights on, restocking our shelves with food, and battling COVID-19 on the front lines. Now more than ever, they deserve our protection and thanks. That's why during the pandemic, Pond Lee Hockey is working around the clock to help protect these workers and fight for their rights. Call Pond Lee Hockey's COVID-19 hotline to help you and your loved ones with your legal needs during the pandemic at 267-606-4343. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Hour number three of the Labor Show here on Talk (laughs) Radio 1210 WPHT. I can't believe that, J-Doc. Hour number three. Right, absolutely. It's live of we're, we're the Labor Show. We're in uncharted territory, Joe. Uncharted uh, territory. All good. Great opening two hours uh, tonight. Uh, John Doherty is going to be our special guest here in hour number three. Absolutely. Uh, for uh, the full hour, and we've got a lot to cover uh, with John Doc, before we bring him into the show and before uh, we welcome uh, John in to join us here on uh, the Labor Show with Jay Doc and Krause, uh, I want to read uh, for the listening audience uh, four sentences, Jay Doc. Sure. And I think it'll, it sets the table for us uh, to bring uh, Doc into the conversation. And I think this is where I would like to begin uh, in the opening segment. The Philadelphia building trades got back to work faster and more safely than any other major city building trades in the nation. I'm talking about New York, Chicago, and L.A. OSHA, J-Doc, even adopted the Philly trades safety protocols and rolled them protocols out nationally that is the way that i would like to bring in john doherty and welcome him in to the labor show i think there's a lot of power doc uh in that statement uh and a salute to you uh and everyone else uh that stands behind the ability to be able to do that well, Frousey, thank you, and hello, Joe. How you doing? Uh, I just wanted to look at we, – we have a lot of good people on our team at the Philadelphia Building Trades. You know, most of the leaders of the individual un- unions, after a certain amount of years in Philadelphia, a majority of them wind up in Washington, D.C., representing their industry countrywide. So, I mean, we, we have a tremendous amount of talented people here. So now it's just not a John Doherty production – it's, uh, and we also had a couple partners in some of that, uh, the General Building Contractors Association, which we don't always do business with, but in this case, because between us, we represent almost everybody in the industry, and there's a, they have a young executive director named Ben Connors. I mean, we worked hard. 
we let the world know that, hey, look, this was in March that, you know, we had a crisis. Uh, we saw it coming. We needed to make, we were essential in a lot of ways. We, you know, we did a lot of the hospital work. You know, we were working in a lot of trying to get these schools ready. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. But we put in a lot of protocols and a lot of policies, as you stated, have been adopted by almost everyone. In fact, OSHA almost adopted our policies verbatim. You know, most of the bigger areas, you know, reached out to us to find out what we were doing. And, you know, we, we have a little bit of a reputation for being, you know, efficient and, you know, one of the, you know, we, we're paid well and we have great benefits, but we also, you know, we, we are really trained well. We have great mechanics. Uh, we're, we're really diverse. I mean, it's just it's just a good time to be in the Philadelphia building trade now, even though the world is, you know, different and uh, concerning and, you know, I mean, all of the above. But we put our people back to work safely. We did it in a lot of ways, and we did it unanimously. Nobody, okay, was in opposition. A couple of things we did that, you know, we cost ourselves some money. What we did is we, we – changed our ability to work different shifts. What I mean is, you know, we had guys working from 8 to 4, and then we had, you know, people working from 4 to 12, and we had people working from 12 to 7 in the morning. And what we did is we took away the additional cost factor in most cases if they did it right away with us back in March, mm -hmm. where they would keep people and spread them out. We hired our own people. We had a, we have a firm, MedTech, which is a very prominent firm. You know, we put them in front of a lot of jobs. We took temperatures and masks and, you know, we socially distant. And uh, we even put in, we even, you know, basically have a, a computerized system where on some of our hard hats, you know, we have a, uh, a uh, an electronic uh, piece that goes on, which basically, you know, goes off when you get too close to another worker. Hmm. And, so there's a lot of that, you know, we jumped the gun, we were way ahead of the curve. That's the way we do business in Philly. You know, we don't wait for people to tell us what to do. You know, we John, do what we have to do. And John, let me jump in there because, you know, uh, Joe Krause, you just mentioned that the Philadelphia building trades were able to get back to work. Um, and I'll say this, you know, John, you, you, you know, we do have great leadership, you know, in the building trades across the board. But you listen to Pat Iding talk about John Doherty and the amazing and the amazing person you are and the ability to multitask and get things done at the highest level. It's it's unbelievably impressive. And having said that, uh, by the way, Sam Pond just said in the seven o'clock hour that John Doherty is a CEO at a Fortune 500 company. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But also, I mean, and, and so that's the leadership we have here. What I love is not only that we got back to get back to work, uh, you know, before everybody else and, and, and that OSHA copied our, our, our techniques and strategies, but also when the um, how ahead of the game we were when it actually hit. Um, when, when, when there were so, so many people losing their lives. Um, John, talk about that. You know, you were kind of elaborating a little bit there, but when this thing first hit, I mean, everybody was in the dark, and, and we, you know, you guys really, really were able to kind of organize quickly and, and get ahead of the game in regards to safety. So it was – we had very minimal effects in regards to individuals, you know, contracting the virus and, and, and passing away. Well, thank God. And thank God. we pray for anyone and everyone that, uh, you know, has been affected okay, by this ugly disease. We have uh, a lot, okay, again, of people. We have great health care, number one. 
Okay, you know, at Local 98, we have Personal Choice 5, which there's probably not a better benefit, okay, on Earth. We have, uh, and most of the building trades have significant health care. So it wasn't a problem when this happened. And But what we also did, you know, we're, we're in that industry. We're an essential worker in the medical industry. We're, we're in all these hospitals, okay, and have built most of them. So, you know, we, we immediately got in contact with people we know. You know, we, we didn't get any distinct advantage. We just wanted people that we, we wanted to know where to go. We wanted testing. You know, we didn't, we didn't uh, stop anything. Whatever we could do to keep our people safe, we did it. And, again, it's, you know, we, we sh- why we had a two-week hiatus before we actually jumped in. You know, we went to most of the large jobs. Most of the large jobs added, you know, additional laboratories with, you know, additional warm water, additional hand soaps, additional sanitizers. You know, our contractors were our partners here. You know, they worked with us. Again, like I said, we put in front of most jobs, you know, we put people to take their temperature going in, take their temperature going out, and help them if they didn't feel good in between. Okay? I mean, we did things that you just don't expect. You know, the perception, you know, of us and of me is that we're a little rough around the edges. Okay? But you have to understand, we are a Fortune 500 company. If you pull the building trades resources, philanthropic efforts, education programs, okay, we're right up there with the best school districts. We're right up there with the best uh, of any company in the region. And we dwarf most of them. And this was no different than how we handled, you know, this uh, COVID-19. We took, we took it as if it was a challenge to our economy. We went after it. We, we, and, and, and we, you know, we, we also put in protocols we did shut jobs down. It, you know, we got a lot of publicity. There was a lot of, there was, uh, for days, they talked about us doing a big shutdown in Limerick. Okay? And, uh, you know, it's a powerhouse. We had a lot of people on there. You know, we did have one or two people affected. But what we did is we had a policies. We shut down for days, specific areas. We made sure we, we did the, whatever contacts were made. We quarantined people. We sent them to doctors. We had multiple testings. I mean, we were all over this. You know, it's no different in the way we handled the opioid issue. You know, you've had me. I, I still tell people, you know, when, when I hang up, you know, my, my tools around here, some of the things that I'll be the proudest of is the way that we jumped on the opioid issues. Oh, okay? yeah. We've, we, we've saved lives. Joe, you know, you started the show. You're still on top of it. We're still on top of it. You know, I mean, we, 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 we've done crazy things like out of the box. Yeah, we sued manufacturers. But more importantly, we put limitations on the amount of, you know, opioids that our members could get. You know, the old days when you would get a root canal or a bad toothache, they would give you a couple of weeks' worth of Percocets. Yep. Now you get three days. So, so the extra Percocet thing hanging around on top of the refrigerator so somebody can grab one day. Okay, I can tell you a million things that we've done in the marketplace. That's why we're the best trained. We're the most efficient. You know, the, the work surveys are we get more done in an eight-hour day than almost any other industry, and which is obvious. We're safer. You know, and, I, and I, you, I'm another. Hmm? Yeah, John, you, you mentioned when you were talking about the opioid epidemic, you know, you got a guy, and I can tell you that we've talked to him. You, you talk to anybody in the industry, and they always point to Local 98 and you and your guy, Chris Schaubwein, who is top of the, top of the heap, somebody. I mean, you, you've, you've got... A, a, a great program for people that are in need. And um, 
you've you've done it in a com, you know in, in a comprehensive way. Of, of course, you guys have gone after the drug manufacturers, those individuals who are who are you know uh, an accessory to making our to, to getting our members, their families, and the general public, um, you know, addicted to these opioids. And we're making a difference not only in our building trades but also in the communities. Well, Joe, you mentioned Chris. We have we have a program we've had for years. It started with Pacalepsy and Jack Dempsey, and years ago, and it's the ATAP initiative. And and uh, Kenny, we have Kenny up there right now who does a fabulous job for the building trades. But we've become big, and like anything else, there's a tremendous amount of uh, opportunities, but there's also a lot of things that have to get done. So, from an ATAP program, which is our Allied Trade Assistance Program. From that program, we take care of a lot of things in a much bigger way. But you mentioned Chris Shibon. When oh, yeah. at Open Mind, we ran into a problem, a serious problem. Way too many people. I, I absolutely was losing my mind. Okay? And the problem was five of the last six kids before we put our foot down and went crazy and changed everything. I mean, we changed everything about drugs. We changed everything about drug testing. We changed every way about our allocation of pills. We, we did everything. There's not one. In fact, we were the cutting edge again there. There's not one thing out there that we didn't do long before most people were discussing it. Okay? But one of the things I did was hire a full-time 724, okay, uh, outlet assistance program. And Chris is obviously way more than that. Highly decorated, very good. He's not only in touch with people, but we continue to make it personal. You know, you know, it's great to have pulling numbers. We need them. But it's nice to have somebody that can get to you within minutes. Absolutely. So we gave them the ability. We gave them all the toys. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, if it's snowing, I'll get them a snowmobile. If it's raining, I'll get them a boat. It doesn't matter. Okay, if we have anybody in our industry that needs help, they're going to get it. And that's been the way I've done business for my, you know, the 20-some years that I've doing this you know it's going on 30 now the labor yeah, show with the, the labor show with j doc and krause our special guest uh john doherty for uh the full hour we're going to get to a commercial break uh j doc uh, because we have to uh but what a great menu uh, of conversations and topics uh, that we're going to cover the uh subway into the navy yard will be a discussion uh that we'll have uh we touched on uh the opioid stuff uh in this segment we'll follow up a little bit later on uh with that uh the legal issues of john doherty uh no holes barred nothing off uh, off the table we'll talk with john uh directly about that uh one of my favorite conversations with john that happens on a weekly basis the eagles will play at home tomorrow uh, and we'll get john's thoughts about uh what will be a strange time uh tomorrow uh down at the link where the parking lots will be empty and so will the stadium we'll get john's thoughts on that and a lot more on the labor show back in a moment Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, Iron Workers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ District 1201. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. 
And back here on the Labor Show with Jay Doc and Krause as we come to you on a Saturday night, hour number three uh, of the show. And of course, Jay Doc, we're um, in some ways uh, celebrating the ability to be able to say that now moving forward from this point forward, sure. uh, we will be with the audience live every Saturday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're now doing two hours uh, every Saturday night, and our special guest here uh, to wrap up the show, uh, can't do it any better than that, uh, is Philadelphia's biggest fan, uh, John Doherty. Yeah, I mean, you know, couldn't be happier uh, on this special three-hour broadcast to have. uh, I can't believe I did. I'm doing three hours of radio with you, Jay Duck. I'm not sure I ever want to do it again, uh, but all good stuff. Well, as long as you bring the M&Ms, I'm I'm gold. (laughs) I'm good. Um, But Listen, we're so happy to have John Doherty, uh, you know, the, the um, business manager of Philadelphia Building Trades and IBEW Local 98. Uh, really needs no uh, introduction to Delaware Valley. John, let's talk about some of the projects that you're passionate about uh, throughout the city of Philadelphia. Um, mainly, you know, the, the uh, uh, talking about the subway, uh, you know, come to the Navy Yard. Uh, talk about that. Well, this week we had a meeting down at the uh, uh, Philadelphia Navy Yard. It was a series of us. You know, from the building trades, we met with the outfit ensemble, and they're the outfit who just was awarded the RFP to develop the rest of the Navy Yard, or a greater portion of the Navy Yard. And in that, you know, it's, a, it's easily a $3.6 billion job, billion. So we were down there, we met, they have, they have a partner in Mosaic, uh, which is a local minority company. So we went down, and we talked about everything from reentry to the efficiencies on the job, and, you know, how do we move forward together, and, and so we were down there this week, and one of the factors is that every footprint that every job has here, they have to, you know, put space for a uh, parking lot or a parking garage, et cetera. And the place is beautiful. It's the best kept secret around. And it's almost like a, a, a city within a little gated community, and it's growing by leaps and bounds. And there's also some people don't know this, but there's couple pharmaceutical companies that are going to be significant in the way we cure either gene therapy or the way we go after child leukemia or even a vaccine for COVID. So we could be doing a lot of them things right in our own Philadelphia Navy Yard. But everybody always says we need to get public transportation there. Now, we've been through a ton of people. We've been through some of the regional transportations, you know, SEPTAs and the DRPAs, and we have good friends and good relationships in all these places. Okay, so we've always been pushing, hey, someone along the line, we have to come up with something that enters into the Navy Yard, because for all intents and purposes, there's only one way in and one way out. And it's growing so big. I mean, Thomas Jefferson, uh, the Navy, you know, it's a million different things there. You know, if you ever get a chance, Urban Outfitters, you know, you got to check these buildings out. And then when you start looking, like I said, the pharmaceuticals and some of the bigger companies that, you know, do research, there's a tremendous amount. Smith Klein, I mean, you just, I I can go on and on. I think there's like 106 major corporations down there. And it's just beautiful. And, And there's enough green space. There's, I mean, if you look around long enough, you'll see a pack of deer running by. It's just crazy. But... You need to start to do something. You just can't, you know, add a bus line. You just can't. So you have to make a, a serious effort. But the problem is the price keeps going up. The price, you know, was when we first looked at it, it was $290 million, you know, just to get some sort of transportation from where the subway stops down around, you know, where the old 
uh, spectrum was to into the Navy Yard. But now the, the price is somewhere in the vicinity between, depending on what you look to do, if you do above ground or below ground or you use some of this aerial high-tech stuff, you know, there's, there, it could go from anywhere from $600 million to a billion dollars. So you can't get that done without federal intervention. And uh, so that's what we've been doing, you know, and you know, it's well documented. You know, we, we started conversation with the Obama administration, and we've had uh, a lot of conversation lately, you know, with, with uh, the Trump administration. And there's a gentleman by Peter Navarro, and it's been in Philly a couple times. You know, it's been well documented. We've been in down D.C., you know, talking about things like this. You know, the other piece is that we, you know, we have a shipyard down there, and we basically went from over a thousand employees to about eight. So we just one of the things that we were able to get done recently is, you know, we got about five ships being approved. You know, one or two of them in the near future will be announced, but that'll take us back up. So there's a lot of workers in that shipyard, and uh, that was know, a big deal. Sure. That was hard. We had the guys on the show, um, you know, from the shipyard, and, and when they had the when, when they were down to the eight workers. And it was a painful thing. Um, and I knew you guys were, you know, you were going to, to bat for them and just so excited about the progress we've made there. Um, because, you know, like you said, I don't know how many members down there were, were out of work at, at one time, but it's just a remarkable job that you guys, uh, you know, have, have done, you know, lobbying to bring them ships. And it's such a big deal. One of the things I'd like to also talk about is, um, you know, your, your fight against injustice. What's going on with uh, Steakhouse 48? the racial discrimination incident in Chicago, and now we're talking about Philly. Would you elaborate there, John? Well, there's, uh, there's a new steakhouse. It's uh, on South Broad Street, and you'll see there's about seven or eight kids ambulating and protesting every day. They're dressed in tuxedos outside to let people know. They had a, they had a situation in, uh, and it's documented, it's a news piece, they had a situation in Chicago where they had a, uh, a pregnant African-American woman and her daughter stop in, and they just came from, I believe, a doctor's visit. So they were just in casual attire, and they told them that, no, you're really not dressed properly. And um, and then they had a, a white guy who looked like he just kept on golfing, and they seated him immediately. So, uh, oh, really? you know, I usually... Yeah, so I, in Chicago, so it was carried by the news network. So what we did is when they came into town, we said, okay, listen, we'd like you to, you know, give us an opportunity to bid your projects. And what we realized was that everything they told us was either, you know, just keeping us at bay or lying to us. And then we even we even saw a ton of things, and we saw them, you know, when we have video of all this, you know, it's not what I'm saying, I don't have video. You know, I got a couple of young kids, you know, there a couple of days in a row. I, we put one up on uh, a little YouTube piece, you know, carrying a piece of pipe. If he's 13 years old, uh, you know, you know, it's amazing. Um, there, and then they talked about using people from the community, which they don't. And then when we asked them to, to explain what type of benefits, and then even when, you know, you had all the COVID stuff, you know, nobody wear a mask, people walking around. And again, you know, I mean, it's, they, it looked like they were spending more on security than they were to build a building. Sure. So, you know, so people outside, you know, and, uh, you know, when you have that type of history, you know, you would think you would go out of your way to correct it. And to me, they just don't really care. So 
you know, the Philadelphia Building Trades will not be eating there. We're asking any of our friends and family not to participate down there. We had a little protest last night. It was opening weekend. Now, despite the limited amount of people, they only valeted five cars, okay? And one of them, we believe, was an owner, and one of them was an antagonist. So we believe they only valeted three cars last night. So I want to thank the people in Philadelphia and in the area for, you know, showing that type of support. It's just a bad piece all the way around. You know, and again, like, it's just not a, hey, they didn't build it with the building trade. It's just the whole way they've went about it. You know, our friends in Chicago said that they were described to me as very uncomfortable to deal with. You know, but then they had that, they had that newspaper article and they kind of changed their tune a little bit. Then they had the, uh, the TV station do the commercial on that situation I talked about earlier. You know, and I'll, if you, we'll, we'll make sure we get it on your show. We have a little video on it, you know, and it's been, it's been out at about, but it's just one of the many protests. I'm sitting here today. I just looked at a book. It's a, it's, this will blow your mind. We have people living in the Marriott on 13th Street. Now, we just dropped this not only on the mayor's lap, but we dropped it on a couple of our other elected officials. I have it right in front of me. I'm going to read it off to you. Okay. This is the Marriott of 13th and Market. They're renovating as we speak. Okay. Again, they laugh at us when it comes to permits. They laugh at it when, they, when we ask these guys to wear masks. Here goes the license plates that are parked there right now. Here's New York JRX 3038. The three kids that got out of the car spoke limited English and didn't have a mask on. Then we have a Florida Franklin van. That's NMJ M11. Okay. Then we have, then we have a multiple Texas license plates. BCM 2123 on the back of a truck. Then we have on the back of another small red pickup truck where it uh, looks like they're painters or multi-people. It's Texas M6H839Floor. I can show you. I got a series of – this is in Center City. So when you hear some of these people scream, okay, the Philadelphia Building Trades, don't do this, don't do that. No, we do everything at this. We fix our own problems. We hire more kids that live in the city than anybody has ever anywhere in any industry, private or public. Okay. We do the right thing all the time. And we play by the rules. We play taxes. But if anybody wants to walk by the Marriott right now, you got about 30 to 50 people living in the Marriott, throwing the trash out the window. Okay. Wearing masks once in a while, sharing masks. It's obvious. We got, we got it well documented, and we can't get anybody to do anything about it. Incredible. John Doherty with us here tonight for the full hour on The Labor Show. We'll get to a quick uh, commercial break. Uh, back on the other side with more candid conversation. Stay with us. Portions of tonight's edition of The Labor Show are sponsored by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. We want our prosecutors to be aggressive and tenacious in their pursuit of justice, but we also want to ensure that justice is ultimately administered dispassionately. Now, we're all human, and like any person, a prosecutor can become overly invested in a particular goal. 
Prosecutors who devote months and years of their lives to investigating a particular target may become deeply invested in their case and assured of the rightness of their cause. Back here on Saturday, or back here rather on the Labor Show with J. Doc uh, and Krause, Attorney General William Barr, uh, in that audio clip in that article, J. Doc, uh, liking some prosecutors. Uh, to headhunters, and yeah. I played that audio coming in as we return to the labor show. John Doherty uh, is our special guest, and Doc, I want to transition out of uh, the conversation uh to this point, uh, and I want to transition and bring uh, uh, and ask you now, uh, legally, uh, I want to talk candidly with you. We all do about uh, what's happening uh, on your end with le- with your legal issues. Yeah, and before you get, do, John, um, you know, we heard some uh, some publications in town said a few things, and, and, and we'd kind of like you to elaborate on on some of that because obviously a lot of stuff going on. Well, you caught me off guard with that, that the, the William Barr piece because that just happened this last week. Yeah. So I guess, I guess that was your segue in that beginning into some of my other issues. But uh, if you listen to what the Attorney General said, he said that there's a series of people out there that have been overly invested for years, decades. And in my case, I was in office in 1993. So 1993, I was in about four months, and there were three people in the city uh, at the time who got a lot of attention. One was Mr. State and rest his soul from the laborers, and he had never had an issue. One was a gentleman by the name of John Shaw, the FOP, and uh, he got lost his job over it. And myself, I was brand new. I had no idea where the bathroom was on the second floor yet. <laughs> I had Here I had subpoenas coming in. I guess because I won large. I guess because I campaigned on taking big companies on. And I guess that there were a lot of things that we weren't doing at Local 98 that I thought you know, we should do. And one was like get involved with politics, which I realized was taboo now to a lot of people. Because the last thing you want is people who actually vote can live in these row homes and donate money to have a little bit of a say. So a lot of the rich guys who don't live around here, you know, became offended. So if you fast forward, okay, over the years, Every election cycle, and by the way, let me, let me preface what I'm about to say, that I've been under siege for over 20 years, and I've never said anything. I take my beating like a man. You never see me upset. You know, some of our mass media people even joked about it, thinking that I was too cavalier. Okay, I always felt the government had a job to do. And I always felt that if someone was, you know, breaking a law, they had to let people know that. But as Barr just said, there's people that for 25 years haven't been able to find anything. So they keep looking, looking, looking until they can allegedly, you know, find something. Now, let me touch on that. Remember, I haven't said one word. And you also, Joe, you know, made mention to, you know, one of the local uh, newspapers said that we went on your show to tell my story the last time. We, didn't. we had like a two-minute comment about legal issues 
what we did do was talk about labor. We talked about the jobs. We talked about COVID. We talked about apprentice training. We talked about reentry. We talked about putting kids to work. Okay. Now, I'll give you a couple statements, and I'm usually not arrogant about it, but if I represent it and people at the inquire, okay, that paper would still be semi-solvent, and people wouldn't have been taking pay cuts their whole life over there. Okay? So now, to get back to the legal stuff, I never had a problem with anything I did. You know, my, my goal was to give the working people the same tools that the rich people have, that the corporations have. My goal was to make, get, make sure our guys have benefits. I wanted to be paid well. And I wanted to get paid. I wanted people not to have to work nine jobs, to raise a family and send your children to whatever school you wanted, take your two weeks vacation. And again, I can only speak for myself, you know, and, it, you know, I'm a practicing Catholic that enjoys Christmas that enjoys two weeks down in North Wildwood when I was a kid, enjoys letting my kids play for EOM or Lady Mount Carmel. So I wanted to create an atmosphere where everybody can do that. And that was my goal when I started out. I, I had no visions of, you know, being involved with mayors or governors. I had no visions of, you know, being probably the number one attention piece of the media in town. You know, and not always in a good way. But what you have to realize is during these years, when you heard Barr say that, think about, I get audited all the time. The last time they raided the union and they raided my house, they put crime tape around my property. They put crime tape around the union hall. They drove a truck up on the union hall pavement. They put on all the news stations a ticker tape asking people if they knew anything that I did, please call. Okay, I thought they were supposed to do all that before the basis, before they pull the trucks up on the pavement and wrap your buildings with crime tape. The information they took out of 1719 Spring Garden, if I'm not mistaken, it was about 90 boxes. I think they took 87 boxes out in a, in a subpoena they sent us maybe two years before that. We supplied all the information. We've given them everything they wanted, everything they ever looked for, okay? It used to be, remember, for years it was market recovery. Then it was politics. And then it was because Local 98 led the fight, and they spent too much money on electing three Supreme Court justices. Just one of them happened to know my brother Kevin, okay, who just happened to be one of the people who voted for increasing the days in which your votes count. Okay, so that's why you do, that's why you elect people, and I don't care if they're named Doherty or not. I just want them to think like us. Now, if you remember, they didn't see me upset when they were outside my house. I actually bought donuts and iced tea. I stood on that payment for 12 hours. I gave everybody access to everything they wanted. Okay? But what happens now, if you fast forward, and why this is a topic today is because not in the last few weeks we had a judge say that there was a piece of this that was they needed to uh, then get dismissed. Now, that was the honest service fraud. Okay? Now, I won't get into the specifics, 
but I'll just give you something to think about. And the funny part is when I say this, I wouldn't be surprised if Mark commented on it. I wouldn't be surprised if Dom Giordano called me to be on the show Monday. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody wrote an expose on it. Because what I want to tell you is what I lived through for almost 30 years. One of the main reasons, okay, that I even had this type of attention was because I was standing in the way of Comcast getting another 15-year renewal. What they forgot to tell you is that I stood in the way of the first one also. And at the time, they didn't really have a relationship. In fact, Pat Gillespie will tell you, Comcast had a non-union, non-collective bargaining construction mentality, and that was before they grew. A couple of things they did, they used what a contractor called Bell Ram, and that was 20 years ago. And that wasn't signatory with anybody around here. We didn't use a ton of people here. So there was a lot of topics of conversation. And, you know, Councilwoman Pasco and rest her soul, Gussie Clark, people like that were at the forefront of helping me when I challenged Comcast. So much so that there was this, and people like Joe Moritz and Jerry Murphy, who was the Secretary of Labor, will tell you what I did. Randell put me in a room and him and Cohen and them guys were screaming at me for getting in the way. And all I asked for was to use local contractors to pay fair wages and benefits and let us know if you're going to continue to grow. Okay. What was a problem was that in a merger, I picked up an alpha called Greater Media Cable. It was a small piece. That, this is 20 years ago. In a merger, I took it, and people could never understand why. I understood why. I understood that if Comcast was going to take over the city like they wanted, you know, and again, this is pre-data, most of the listeners on this phone, they were going to need to get that. And I represented them. And I had successor line, which had a contract. There was a gentleman by the name of Al Pedrick, who was the point guy for Comcast labor. If you could honestly get him on that, you could honestly, because they've become so big, okay, that they really don't care about people. And what I'm about to tell you, you'll probably... I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just said that. I can't believe, you know, that that happened. If you take a look, the second, and the fast forward up until this most recent piece, remember, Comcast, go and look. They had like 200 paid lobbyists and lawyers on their payroll. And we were in the middle of a lot of contracts with, uh, with them, you know, over, because I represent the broadcast industry, a majority of it in this town. And they have, a, they have a great habit of just steamrolling people, you know. And I can tell you one scenario after another, and I knew this going in. So the minute we opposed, okay, the second piece, because the first piece that gave Comcast control of the city made an awful lot of people millionaires, okay? This one was going to make an awful lot of people billionaires. So I just felt that it was fair to get our guys a share of the work product. And we're not talking to Comcast hours. Okay, we did that as efficiently as anybody could do it. You know, and it, it's all high into technology, and we were, we were at the cutting edge of that. And we did it safely, and we did it without drug issues, and we did all that. Okay? This is all the other work that goes with that. The people who were in that building. You know, I represented a lot of that. Now, some are going to lose their jobs over a period of time through attrition, 
because the world is becoming sharper, more technical. Uh, you know, everything's automated. Everything's artificial intelligence. And we were cool with that because 10 years before that, the world went wireless. And you didn't see me jump out of my skin when the world went wireless. I just went and signed up the wireless companies. Okay, so we were not looking to fist fight. Well, obviously, you know, there's a few egos, and I'm not even sure this goes to the top. The Roberts are good people. they got guys like Steve Burke in there. They're smart people. They ain't worried about that. You know, they're not going to let 50 cents hold up $5. Okay? But then you get David and a couple of them guys that, you know, I mean, they just, everything was political. Everything. So fast forward. Bobby Heenan. Okay? It's a councilman. They got 200 paid lobbyists. Okay, 200 paid lobbyists on their mergers. They're, they're, what they do is, they're just, it's amazing, you know, if you, if you think. And I'll just give you like one or two little things that are always on the tip of my tongue. Okay, but it was packed during the NBC merger. And I know because I was in the middle of that because, we, you know, we represented them. What they did is they got a tremendous amount of FCC opposition. Most people said the opposition was extreme. And this was back in 2011. When a vote came down, okay, there was a woman by the name of Meredith, I think it was Baker, okay? She was part, she was a commissioner. She voted for it. If I'm not mistaken, within six months, she was hired by Comcast. Get the vote. Okay. I don't know. I'm not saying anything's wrong. I'm just saying that's how they play every day of the week. Okay, so fast forward. They got Bobby Heenan, who's inside city government, so we asked a few questions. Okay, they got 200 people. They got David Cohen. They got one of the former uh, guys who I think worked for them in security, went to take over the Secret Service. Okay. So we're in the middle of this conversation. So this is right around the time when I got some heavy-duty activity from the government. Now, here's the kicker. I didn't know it at the time, okay, but the acting U.S. attorney at that time is married to an executive vice president of Comcast, who's also the lead in-house counsel. So, you hear what I just said? Yeah. The acting, wow. okay, the acting U.S. attorney is married, okay, to an executive vice president and the lead in-house counsel. Now, I'm in opposition. I got contracts with NBC. We have oppositions that hmm. went all the way up to New York. Okay. We have, so now, the government is accelerating their process into me. Okay, and I'm not going to get into any specifics or anything, but let me put it this way. In this world, okay, in the legal world and in the government world, they're supposed to make separations. They're called firewalls and things like that. I can mm -hmm. prove that that never happened. Okay? Mm -hmm. So you have to understand, that's what people, like big companies do. There's a reason why unions have fell off. It's not because people don't need them anymore. It's because you've got people in powerful positions that have 200 lobbyists, 200 lawyers, hire guys who work in Secret Service for heads of security, 
Okay. And it's right around the time where there was some protest and we had some protesting, you know, and it was a thing in the paper about myself and David and a couple people arguing in public. Now, I didn't realize that that was the rules. But you have to understand now, there's no doubt that if I organized or held up a renewal, okay, that definitely, okay, affected, okay, talks and retirement benefits of people primarily, most definitely, the executive vice presidents. <laughs> so it's one of the reasons why I haven't been, I'll get my day. You know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg. John, when you listen to uh, Barr and, and, and the conspiracy theories and all this crazy stuff, never made, you know, three it was minutes. always too three far minutes, out. Three minutes, Three minutes. Um, you know, hey, he John, let me, let, me, let me wrap this up for you guys. He, there's no he pretty much confirms it. There's just, there's just facts. The problem is most people never make it to the finish line. Most mm -hmm. people are crushed. Most people put their hands up. Okay, I guess it's because, look, I understand the situation I have at home. And I also understand that I've been, you know, vetted by the best forever. Okay, I also understand that eight out of every 10 uh, legal minds who read the stuff look at me and say, God forbid, if you weren't a union, you'd be given awards for what you've done. Okay, but listen, that, it's the world we live in. And we, look, there's, that is only the tip of the iceberg. What I tell you, it starts with, you know, crime tape around the house. It goes all the way up to the highest level of government. Okay, I can tell you true by simple stuff, things you, would, you wouldn't believe. Okay, and the newspaper. I'm, I'm, I'm about to challenge the nonprofit status of the newspaper. Their new nonprofit status. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you about that, too. But they don't want people to do that. They don't want like, union leaders. They don't want labor leaders. I can go on and on. Take a look at some of the consultants that Comcast hired. Over, and you can see some local people. They're all relevant to a specific situation. And there's a million other things. There's another five or six other really good tales that go along with that one I just told you about the acting U.S. attorney. Well, John, listen, we, we uh, obviously we have a lot to talk about. And, you know, there's so much... Believe me, when you listen to, to Attorney General Barr talking, you know, criticizing his own age, you know, his, his own prosecutors, um, you know, I, I put nothing past anybody. And so obviously we, we appreciate you being frank and we want to continue this conversation, no doubt about it. John Doherty joining us here uh, on the Labor Show, um, ending up what was a three hour live broadcast every Saturday now. Uh, Doc will be here uh, 6 to 8 p.m. As you know, uh, we are always live, uh, and this platform uh, is uh, always there. I've said it to you a million times, my friend, and I'm going to say it one more time tonight. The answer is yes. What's the question? Appreciate it, man. Well, Thank you. Listen, the Eagles win 27 ah, I was going to ask. Okay. I got to get a pick out of you for the game tomorrow. 27-21, they win. We need to win. Now, that's some serious stuff. We'll worry about the other stuff. Yep, sounds good. And Thank I, you, Doc. I, I can't say where on this radio station, Doc, but not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. 
I'll see you back on the countdown to kickoff show with Philly's biggest fan. More on that next week, uh, but I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Doc. See you, buddy. All right, good stuff. Very candid conversation with John Doherty tonight on uh, the Labor Show. Uh, Phil, give me a music cue when it's time for me to get out of Dodge here. I know that's coming up. Um, as a matter of fact, that we're out of time, J-Doc. So that's going to do it on behalf of uh, J-Doc. Uh, I'm Joe Krause. This is the Labor Show.